apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage, an equal housing lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. It's two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the poles, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with R&J. I am Steve Risser along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And last night, the Lakers knocked off the Timberwolves. Uh, they beat them in overtime to advance to the uh, to, to, to the first round of the playoffs to face the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. It was, a, it was a great game last night. The game went to overtime. LeBron went for 30 and 10. Uh, AD went for 24 and 15. Carl Anthony, Anthony Towns also had a big night. Anthony Edwards wasn't that good. He struggled. Uh, but uh, the Lakers came with a big win. I, but I do think the big reason why the Keywell stayed in this game was because of their three-point shooting. Their three-point shooting was phenomenal. They, they're, uh, they, were able, they, were, they were able to shoot the three ball really, really well. So, uh, and they, they hit, I think, six. They struggled at the end, but they hit 16 threes. Uh, they, 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 but, but in the end, the Lakers end up pulling it out and, it, and advanced to the first round to play the Memphis Grizzlies. But there is some concern for the Lakers. I mean, I, I think that they did not shoot the ball well from three-point range, only thirty-two percent. Uh, I, I think that uh, I, I, I think that they didn't have they, their bench was good, but not great outside of uh, Dennis Schroeder. So there is some concern for the Lakers, but they do advance. Yeah, they found a way to advance. It was not pretty. The first half, you know, they dug themselves into eleven-point deficit at the half. Um, yeah, you know. Their supporting cast didn't really do a ton outside of AD and LeBron last night. You know, D'Angelo Russell only had two points. 
Um, you know, Austin Reese had 12, but he was only four for 13 from the field. So, yeah, for the Lakers, you know, and you match Dennis Gorda had a really, you know, really stepped up, had a really good game. But, yeah, they really struggled from beyond the arc. Um, and it took a lot of effort from AD and LeBron to find a way, find a way to win that game. And those two started a lot of, a lot of effort last night. So yeah, um, Lakers found a way, but yeah, the Timberwolves there looked good in the first half, but yeah, in the second half, they just, um, struggled to knock down shots. The Lakers found a way to kind of come back, find a way to win that game. And yeah, the Lakers go on and move on to play the Grizzlies starting on Sunday. Yeah, they win last night, uh, 108 282. And we talk now, we're, we're, they move on. They face the Grizzlies on Sunday. And I think the big question in this series but for, for the Lakers is can AD LeBron carry them to an upset win? Can AD and LeBron carry them to an upset win? I think these two teams, seeing what the Lakers have done at the trade deadline, I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. I think I think the two teams are, are pretty evenly matched uh, bet- between each other. I, th- I think they're evenly matched. And I, I would not be surprised. If the, uh, if the if the Lakers pull the upset, but I do think the reason why I do think Memphis is going to win win the game win the series. There's two reasons. Number one, they have the second best player in the series and arguably the best player in the series in John Morant. John Morant is a better player than Anthony Davis, and there's and there's no way of, of our, there's no argument for that. I mean, he's a he distributes the ball better and he's a better three point shooter. He's a better player than Anthony Davis. Now I'll give still give LeBron the edge over over uh, over over job, but it, but it's, I think it's still close. But I, I th- but I, I, but I think it's close. But so I think this is going to be a close, competitive series between these two teams. I, th- I think, uh, I think both. Ben- I think the Lakers have the better bench. They might even have more talent. They might even have the more talented team. But this, but well, I think the biggest reason the Grizzlies win is they'll have they have the home court and th- they have the rest. They're going to be the rested team in the series. I think both teams are close. But I'm going to take the Grizzlies in seven. But Justin, can AD and LeBron pull an upset? Pull the upset for help the Lakers pull the upset in this series. I get the grids in six in this one, but I think LeBron and AD could. You know, they got the best record since the All Star break. You know, their three point shooting has improved from adding Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell. They, you know, they they've gotten a little bit better um, shooting wise. But look, you know, this, their supporting cast around AD and LeBron can't do it all. They need other guys to kind of step up around them. Um, you know. The, the Lakers will have kind of a little bit of advantage inside. Not that um, Steven Adams is going to be out or yeah, Steven Adams be out. It's going to be Xavier Tillman price starting at the five spot. Um, you know, so he's going to, Tillman's got to play well in the series against, you know, he's probably not going to go up against AD. That's probably gonna be Jackson's assignment. But I think, you know, the Grizz with John Morant and that team, I think there's a little bit more, they have a little bit more talent around them that I trust more than Lakers. And I think that's why they, they find a way to win the series in six, but yeah, I could very see LeBron and AD find a w- way to um, upset the Grizzlies. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and this team could make a run. I mean, this team can definitely break a run with LeBron and AD, but they got to be a little bit better than they were last night. They got to be a little bit better offensively. I mean, they really scored ninety eight points offensively, so they got to they got to get more to guys like uh, they got to get more to Austin Reeves. They got to get more to D'Angelo Russell. They got to get more to guys like that, and even Jared Vanderbilt. And also, they got to get a little bit more out of, off their bench, like I said earlier, the, other than uh, uh, Dennis Schroeder. Because the big reason why they won the game was because of the the uh, the, uh, the, the T-Wolves not having one of their starters. They didn't have a uh, they didn't have uh, Jaden McDaniels, and I know they didn't and they didn't have Rudy Gobert as well. Even though you could argue. The reason the T Wolves had a chance last night is because they didn't have Rudy Gobert. But mm. yeah, the Lakers, they need to get more out of their starting lineup. They need to get more to guys like uh Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell if they're gonna win this series. 
Yeah, they absolutely do. You know, that they're going to have to because the Grizzlies have a ton of firepower. You know, the, and the Timberwolves kind of played that game the style that they wanted to. They kind of want to make everything ugly. That's what they did last night. The Lakers found a way to kind of beat them at their own game. But, yeah, you know, this Grizzly team's going to get up and down. They they have a ton of firepower with Morant, with Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. You know, they, they got really good capable scores. And, yeah, if LeBron or AD, you know, are the only two that are kind of finding a ways to score and, you know, the only ones that are getting more than 20 points, I think they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, they need Schroeder to step up. They need Russell uh, to score 15, 20 a night. They're going to need Austin Reeves to do the same type of stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. If the Lakers, you know, cannot if that supporting cast cannot figure out a way to help out ad and lebron they're gonna have trouble keeping up with the grizzlies offense absolutely because let's face it lebron he's still a top 10 player but he's not as great as he used to be let's let's he's just not as great as he used to be he's not as great of a three-point shooter and ad ad's ad is very easy great player dominant player but he's not as good as some of the you could you could argue he's not a top 10 player in the league He's not a top 10 player. John Morant's clearly a better player. He's not, AD's not a great at making his teammates better around him. He's, he's like, he averages two assists a game. And he's, uh, he's, he doesn't shoot three, he doesn't shoot three point shots. So I, 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 I think that, yes, they definitely need that supporting cast to be better th- than it was last night if they want to beat the Grizzlies. Yeah, it absolutely does. You know, as you mentioned, you know, Davis kind of struggles. And again, Jared Jackson's one of the better defenders in the league. You know, like it's not going to be, easy for um anthony davis to really you know anthony davis will get his points of course but jerry jackson's gonna make it difficult on him and yeah lebron's getting up there in age like those two can't do it alone for a seven game series you know they're gonna need some help some from some other guys so yeah absolutely they don't get that firepower from jackson or brooks i mean i mean it, i mean for the grizzlies if the grizzlies get home if you know because you expect grizzlies you know bane and um Brooks to score, yeah. If the Lakers cannot find other guys to step up and score for them, yeah, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because they just don't, you know, you can't expect LeBron and AD to do it every night at that age. And again, you know, can we really, you know, can you trust Anthony Davis to always stay? You know, Anthony Davis always had the injury concerns too. You know, you there's maybe a possibility too he gets in. You know, unfortunately, maybe he gets injured too in the series, and you know, you're you're down another guy, so. Yeah, I think for the Lakers, they, they need other guys to step around them. They've been good since the All-Star break, but now now when the lights turn on, you know, and are much brighter, how do they perform? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what happens. It all starts on Sunday for the Lakers in Memphis. But we got to move on to what happened last night in the Eastern Conference, and the Hawks beat the Heat 116-105 to to advance to the first round of the playoffs to go to Boston to face the Celtics. And uh, this is going to be a very tough series for the Hawks. Uh, I, I think uh, Trey Young is is really really good. I think Dejounte Murray is good, but this is a really good Boston team with Jason Tatum, who averaged more points than any other Celtic. Uh, you got Jalen Brown, you got Marcus Smart, you got Al Horford. This is a this is a really good Celtic team that got to the finals last year. I think it's going to be hard for the. I think because I, I do think Marcus Smart is going to contain Trey Young in this series. So I think it's going to be really really hard for the Hawks to score in this series. And I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with the Celtics. I think the Celtics win the series. And I think the Celtics win the series pretty easily. I got the Celtics winning this series in five. But Justin, can Trey Young carry the Hawks to a huge upset against over the over the defending Eastern Conference champs? I don't think that's going to happen as well. I got the Celtics in five as well. Yeah, I, I think Marcus Smart. Is going to be able to kind of slow down Trey Young enough 
and then even off the bench, like Malcolm Brogdon's a really good defender, you know, and even Derek White, if they got to throw, you know, him on and Trey Young when Smart's out, you know, like they, they have three guys that can guard Trey Young and are going to give him fits. You know, the Hawks last night arguably played probably the best game of the year. You know, the Heat didn't really show up. You know, Heat, that was one of the worst point. You know, Heat really didn't play well at all last night, but. You know, I think it's a bad matchup for the Hawks just because their defense is not really good. And I think Boston's going to be able to kind of score whatever they want. But look, if Atlanta can do what they did last night, they grabbed 22 offensive rebounds and Clint Capella can kind of just dominate on the glass. Yeah, maybe the Hawks have a chance in the series, but I just think Boston's defense is going to do enough. But again, I think it's like the late, if, if the Hawks can get their supporting cast, like um, Murray, you know, Sadiq Bay, who played really well last night. You know, Bogdanovich, if those guys can kind of step up and knock down shots, you know, when, you know, Young's maybe having a little bit trouble um, finding ways to score against Marcus Smart and, and some of the Celtic guards, maybe they have a shot. But I, I think it's going to be very tough for the Hawks to really um, to keep this kind of battle. I just think the Celtics just have a little bit too much talent for them. And you made a really good point about the bench, about Bay and Bagdanovich. You made an excellent point about the bench. The bench last night for the Hawks had to score 59 points. If their bench is really good and continues to be good and takes some pressure off of Trey Young, yes, they can make this a series. But but if they but if the supporting cast and the bench can't can't do that, there won't be any there won't there's no way this will be a series and the Celtics will win it easily. Yeah. That then the Hawks bench, you know, they're second this year in field goal percentage. They're shooting like 48% off the bench. Like they, you know, they've been their bench guys have been really good for them. You know, they have the supporting cast that yeah, they can kind of knock down and give the Celtics trouble. Um but yeah, I just think the Celtics defense would be a little bit too much for them. And yeah, I just you know, Trey Young's a phenomenal player, but they don't have, you know, Jason Tatum, you know, is a better player than Trey Young. And, you know, Jalen Brown is the second best player on that floor. And I think those two, if he comes back this, you know, for, for the series, I, I just think it the Hawks just it's a little bit too much of a battle for the um Hawks over to to defeat the Celtics. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we got to get to probably one of the most interesting series in the first round, and that's the Knicks heading to Cleveland to face the Cavs. I mean, they're, they're actually, the, I mean, they're heading to Cleveland for Game One to face the Cavs, but they they, they open up a seven game series against the Cavs, and this is a series for the Knicks. There is a ton of pressure on the Knicks. You can't lose this series if you're the Knicks because of what happened in the offseason, because of what happened with uh with with Donovan Mitchell. I mean, they they, they pretty much all they had to do was give up. Uh, Quentin Grimes, Quentin Grimes, and R.J. Barrett for Donovan Mitchell, and Quentin Grimes was the guy the Knicks wanted to keep, and, and they and they and that's what that and imagine imagine if the Knicks had Randall, Mitchell, and Brunson, they'd be a top three team in the East. That's mm-hmm. why if the Knicks lose this series, Scott Perry and Leon Rose are going to hear it. They are definitely going to hear it, and I think this is going to be a great series. I think this is going to be a really really close competitive series. I mean, I I, I like the, I think the Knicks are a little bit. I think they're a little bit. Uh, I'd take their top three guys over the Cavs' top three guys uh, with with Brunson, Randall. If Randall's healthy, with Brunson, Randall, and Mitch, with Brunson, Randall, and Barrett over over uh, over uh, Garland, uh, Mitchell, and uh, and Allen. So I would take those top three for the for the Knicks over the top three for the Cavs. But the, here's the two issues: number one, Randall might not be healthy, and there's a very good chance he he, he might be very he might be banged up to start the series. So the Knicks could get in an early hole. They could lose the first two, two in Cleveland. They could get into an early hole. So that's that's the first thing. The second one is who's the we all know obviously who the best player in the series is, and that's Donovan Mitchell. 
and that's why I think the Cavs win this. I think they win it in seven. I think this is a series that all the home teams win. I can't see the Cavs win it in the Knicks building, and I don't think the Knicks win a game in Cleveland's building. This is a close, competitive series, but I do think the Cavs win it by a little. I think the Cavs win it in seven. I'm going Cleveland in seven, and it's going to be a long offseason for Leon Rose and Scott Perry because this is the guy they should have in New York. So I'm going with the Cavs in seven. Yeah. But, Justin, can Brunson and Randall carry the Knicks to their second playoff series win in 23 years? I'm with you. We got Cavs in seven as well. I, I, the question mark right now with Julius Randall, is he's going to play or not? And even, you know, when we've seen Randall in the playoffs, he's been very up and down. You know, what what Randall do you get, you know, in the playoffs too? Um, but, yeah, the Mitchell – Donovan Mitchell is a big storyline in the series. The Knicks, you know, because, you know, they – you know, then it, yeah, as you mentioned, they didn't want to give up Quentin Grimes, which I, he's had a phenomenal year. But yeah, you could have Brunson, you know, him, Julius Randle. That's that's a great core right there of three guys. And then you know, you still maybe trade for Josh Hart, who's been great as well since so a trade to the line. Um, but I I think you know, Mitch, you know, I I because I think too, like if Randle's on the floor, you're gonna have to put Donovan Mitchell on R.J. Barrett or Quentin Grimes. You can't really hide them. And I think when Randle's out there. They're going to have to put, you know, um, you know, and, and if Randall's not out there, I think, you know, the, the, the Cavs are going to be able to get away with putting um, Mitchell on Obi Toppin. So I, I think it, that that matchup, too, could be interesting where cause Mitchell's not a great defender. You know, they could hide him on Obi Toppin. But, you know, if Randall's out there, they're going to have to put him on RJ Quentin Grimes. And um, I, I just think, yeah, the Cavs just have a, you know, I, I think Mitchell's the best. I'm with you. I think he's the best player on the floor. I think he's. Has a you know I, I think you know the um Knicks have a little bit trouble slowing him down and I think with the Knicks too I just think you know some of their shot I don't like some like the Knicks they love to take like these mid range jumpers that are just not very effective you know those pull up jumpers because they 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 like that isolation kind of offense and I don't know if that's totally you know I don't know if that totally works in the playoffs you know I I think they may struggle with that type of offense so. I think, you know, the Cavs find a way to win this thing in seven. And yeah, I'm with you. I think the road team has a hard time winning a game in the series. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for the Knicks is they got it. If they could out, if they could uh, shoot the ball better from three in the Cavs, I think they have a chance. That's going to be the big key for the Knicks in the series, be able to shoot the ball from three well. They kind of have to stop with taking those mid range shots and take more threes. And if they can hit more threes, I think they can win the series. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if they can knock down the three ball. You know, with their defense, yeah, I think they got a shot to knock off the Cavs. They, you know, they, they got the talent. They have the shooters. Josh Hart's been a great addition. You know, they've been playing pretty well since – I don't know their record since, but, it. you know, they're, they they played really well since, you know, they, they since they've landed, um, you know, Josh Hart. So, yeah, if they can knock down threes, they they got a chance. Yeah, that's kind of the, the problem at times is, yeah, some nights they go cold. They're – they're really, you know, they're still a solid defensive team, but you know, in the playoffs, you got to be able to knock down some shots late. And um, yeah, if the Knicks can't do that, you know, Mitchell's Mitchell's, I think, going to um, be a tough matchup for him. And I think he'll find a way to kind of edge his team to the to the win. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It should be a great series between the Knicks and the Cavs. Now we move on to probably the most lopsided series in the first round, and that's the Nets playing the 76ers and the Nets are kind of a surprise being the number six seed after six seed after trading Kevin Durant. Um, but, uh, uh, Mike, Mark, Michael Bridges has played really well. Cam Johnson has played well. Spencer Dinwiddie's played well, but here's the thing. If you're drafting a team, 
you're taking Harden and Embiid over any of these players on the Nets. And that's why I think the Sixers are going to cruise in this series. I think they're going to win this one easily. I, I think they're going to win it in five. I think this is probably going to be the most light upside series in the Easter Conference and maybe in the entire playoffs. But, Justin, can the new-look Nets somehow pull off a, a huge upset? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I got I got the Phillies. I think, it, I think they sweep them. I just don't think right now the uh, – the Nets have the talent right now. Um, you know, they, they got some good scores, but I just think the way the Sixers are playing with Embiid, I think they kind of struggle with him down low. And James Harden's played really well this year. He's had a really nice bounce back year. Um, and Embiid and, you know, James Harden go to the line 18 times a game. I think they knocked down the free throws. And um, I, I just I just think, you know, the Nets have some guys that maybe can make one of the games interesting. Yeah, maybe they find a way to win, win a game this series. And, you know, at least one, but I just think this, this Sixers team has so much talent. And again, for Philly, it's been the last couple of years is it doesn't really matter about the regular season. It's all about the postseason um, and, and where they finish in that. And I think for the Sixers, they got to really go out there, make a statement. And I think the Sixers cruising this one. I just don't think the Nets have the star power that the Sixers have with Joel Embiid or James Harden. Absolutely. It's a team that's that needs to win now against a team that's rebuilding. So it should be a very lopsided series, lopsided series. But we'll move on to a couple of tonight's games, and uh, we'll talk about the Bulls and the Raptors, the 9-10 game. And I think this is going to be a close competitive game, but I'm going to take the team that has a little bit more talent. I'm going to go with the Raptors here. I'm going to go with the Raptors to advance to Friday night to face the, uh, to face the Heat. But Justin, can DeRozan and Levine keep the Bulls season alive? I think it to be difficult. I get the Raptors as well. You know, both teams are really good defensively. They're both the top 10, you know, in the NBA points against. But Zach Levine's been awesome, averaging like 28 points since, since a month, month of March. But, um, you know, they're going to need a big day from him. DeMar DeRozan, you know, this year against Toronto, he's only averaged 14 points a game. They've He's really struggling against, you know, his former team. And I think Toronto does a good job of slowing him down tonight. And I think Fred Van Vliet, you know, Pascal Siakam have a good game. I think Toronto home finds a way to knock off Chicago. No, oh, absolutely, 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 and it is Demar Derozan coming back to his hometown in Toronto. Come back to his where he used to play in Toronto. We'll move on to the nine ten game in the West between the Thunder and the Pelicans, and I think the Pelicans win this, and I think they win this by double digits. I think it was a little bit disappointing that the Pelicans couldn't win though on Sunday when the Timberwolves pretty much fighting each other. And they, they end up losing that game on Sunday to, to the T-Wolves. But I think the Pelicans win this by double digits. I think that uh, I think that uh, Ingram has a good game. I think McCollum has a good game. I think that Valanciunas has a good game. And I, I, Thunder, it's, it, they had a, they had a good, for what they were expected to be, they've had a good year. I think they're a team that's on the rise, especially with Chet Holmgren. Putting Chet Holmgren and SGA together, I think that team's on the right. I like Josh Giddy too. But they're too young. I think I got the, uh, I got the Pelicans winning it by double digits. Yeah, I get the Pelicans, too. I think it's, you know, as you mentioned, OKC, really a surprise year. I think it's, you know, they go out there and they're just happy to be there against a team like New Orleans that, yeah, you know, should win this game. It should, and you know, make, you know, should be in the playoffs. So, yeah, you know, even with no Zion tonight, it kind of feels like that's starting to turn into a Ben Simmons situation where he just says he's not comfortable on the floor where he's not yet. And I don't know, he's been out for a while now. Um but uh, I just think CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram are just a little bit too much. They're really good at creating their own. And a- as long as um the Pelicans stop, you know, um SAJ, you know, uh, SGA, you know, yeah, SAJA. I-, I think, you know, the SGA, the, the SGA, SGA, I yeah. Why I always mess it. yeah, I don't know why I always mess up his name. <laughs> 
as long as the Pelicans can slow him down, I, I don't think the Thunder have a I, – I think the Thunder are going to have a really tough time winning this game, and I'm with you. I think the Pelicans should take care of business at home tonight. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think it will be Pelicans and Timberwolves on Friday night. But we will go to the big matchup in the Western Conference, and that's the Clippers and the Suns. I think I think that the Clippers are going to be in trouble in the series because they won't have Paul George. I mean, I do like Kawhi. Westbrook has played well, but I don't trust him in the playoffs. The Hutum is not that good anymore. Zubox is an average center. And and having Paul George out hurts their bench because now they got to start Eric Gordon. So I think it's going to be a tough series for the Clippers. The Suns are 8-0 when Kevin Durant has played this year. I think that continues. I think they continue to stay hot. They are my favorite to win the championship. That's why I got them winning this series in five. But Justin, can Kawhi continue his postseason success and help and and help the Clippers and help the Clippers pull a major upset? I'm with you. I I think the Suns win this thing in five. I just yeah, as you mentioned, their Suns are eight and zero, and they've looked really good with KD out there. Um, and it seems like him. Paul and Booker already have a really good chemistry on the floor. I just think, yeah, it's, without Paul George, I think it's too much of an uphill battle for the Clippers. They don't have a ton. Yeah, you mentioned Westbrook. He's not a great shooter. I don't trust him as well. Um, you know, they're going to need like a Norman Powell or Bones Highland to really, to, to you know, get 20-25 a night to help out Kawhi Leonard. I just think the Suns have way too much firepower right now. Yeah, on paper, if Paul... George is in the series. Yeah, this looks like it could be a really, you know, could be a promising kind of maybe this, the Clippers could get this thing to like six games, but six, seven games, but without them, I don't think so. I think the Suns just have way too much firepower and I think they struggle. They'll find one a way to win game three or four at home. But other than that, I don't really see them making much of the, much of a series. With the way the Suns have played with Durant, should they be the favorites to win it all in your opinion? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. With, with Durant, with with him, with how close they were a couple years ago, the Suns with Paul, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, you know, Durant, and then you still got DeAndre Ayton. Like, in, Ayton's one of the best centers still in the game. You know, he averaged a double double this year. I yeah, like they they got four really good starters that could match up with anybody. So I'll, yeah, I, I have the Suns as as a favorite to to win the uh, finals right now. Yes, I do as well. But we got a big matchup in Northern California. We got the Warriors facing the Kings, facing your Kings, and uh, I think I think this series is is gonna. The Kings will give. I think Kings will win a couple games because the Warriors, the Warriors have been so bad on the road. But I can't see the Kings winning any games in Golden State. I feel, I'm going to take the more experienced team here. I know Mike Brown's done a great job. I know that uh, DeAndre uh, De'Aaron Fox and 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 uh, Demonis Sabonis have had great years. But this, this, we know who they're playing. They're playing the Warriors, and I know they haven't had a great year. I know they've been terrible on the road, but I still think the Warriors, with Steph, with Clay, with Jordan Poole, I still think they win. And with Andrew Wiggins back, I still think they win this series in six. But Justin, can your Kings pull the upset? And this will be their first playoff win since 2006? Yeah. 2005? Yeah, I think they get the semis. Yeah. 2005, wow, 2000, no. This will be their first. Yeah, they, let's just say yeah, no. I think they're at the finals. Yeah, let's just first. say this would be their first playoff win since the Weber days. Can they do it? Yeah, I don't think so either. I wish, but <laughs> yeah, I I don't trust the defense. I just don't. I you know their defense is just not great. Um, you know they look for whatever reason their defense efficiency on the road is is ninth in the league for whatever reason, but they're but they're second to last at home. I don't know why they're. I, I don't know why that 
there's such a kind of difference. Um, but look, you know, the Kings can make this thing interesting, you know, because of, uh, you know, the combination of Sabonis coming in now with Fox and that pick and roll offense. And now they got, they got Murray, they have Kevin Herter. Um, they got Harrison Barnes to kind of spread you out. You know, Malik Monk should, you know, be right there for six man of the year. You know, so I, I feel like the Kings could kind of, I think they're going to put up some points. The problem is I don't know if they could trust. I don't know if they could stop the Warriors enough. Fox is going to be on Curry. It's going to be, you know, sounds like he wants this matchup and, you know, he's, you know, he's not afraid to go up against them. But yeah, I just, again, Mike Brown's done a good job, but everybody talks about his defense is, you know, defensive. I, I have not seen the defense get a lot better this year. I'm hoping now it's the playoffs. Maybe it does turn it a little bit better, but look, I'm worried too about Sabonis because, you know, he can be a crybaby at times. Draymond Green could get in his head very easily. Oh, I, I can I see that happening. I can see that yeah. happening. And that's kind of where I worry in this one. I just, they don't, you know, Clay and Clay always burns us too. I think that, you know, and, and Curry's going to get his 30 points. That's just, that's a given. You know, oh, yeah. they got to keep some of the supporting cast at, at check and check, keep them in check. Maybe they had a chance, but look, there's just way too much experience that this Warriors team has. I love to pick them. I just, it's just, you know, a team with this much experience. I just, I don't, I did see them having a hard time. I think the Warriors win six. I think the Kings find a way to win a couple in the series, but they're just, they're just not going to stop the Warriors. It just, they're just not. Yeah, it, it, it's just, yeah, the Warriors, I know they haven't played well on the road at all this year, but yeah, this is, they're still the Warriors. They still got Steph Curry and the Kings have had a great year, but they just have no playoff experience. They have no, none of these guys, De'Aaron Fox. I mean, I don't know if the bonus might've been with the Pacers, like in the first yeah. round, but still there just isn't any experience with the, uh, with, 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 with the Kings. And I, I just think the Warriors, I, I, I think they're, I think they're going to win. A, I don't think they're going to go to the finals, but I think, I think they're going to get to the conference finals. But uh, yeah, I just don't. I think I think they they got too much experience against the Kings. Yeah, I'm with you. I just think yeah, there's a little bit too much experience there. Um, yeah, you know, with with Curry, Thompson, those guys. Not look, it's and because they, they played what the Warriors played really well down the stretch when they wanted to avoid the playing series. You kind of saw what they won ten out of. I think they won like ten out of like eleven, you know, or something. Or, so they they played really well towards the end there to try to get out of the playing kind of round. They've done that, yeah. You know, look, uh, just too much experience again. Hopefully, Fox actually gets to show the national media that like he should actually get more hype because it feels like the last couple of weeks, Austin Austin Reeves at uh with the Lakers has gotten more hype than like De'Aaron Fox around him, and Fox has been doing this all year. So, look, he's got the much most clutch points in the league this year. So maybe Fox can you know could lead them to a serious win. I just there's just too much firepower with the Warriors, and I just think it's a bad matchup for the Kings. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. But before we wrap up the NBA, we got to talk about what the Mavs did on Friday night. And did the Mavs do the right thing on Friday night, sitting out a bunch of their guys when they still had a spot in the play-in tournament on the line? I think they absolutely did not do the right thing. I think it should be embarrassed as an organization what they do. They talk about never quitting, never quitting when 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 you're in it, when never saying never quitting if you still have a chance. And the Mavs flat out quit when they still had a chance. And it looked like it was not Jason Kidd's decision at all. It looked like it was Nico Harrison's decision. It looked like it was. Uh, Mark Cuban's decision. So that was a disgraceful, disgraceful thing the Mavs did, and they should have their pick taken away. The NBA should investigate this, and they should have their pick taken away because they absolutely tanked on Friday night. Yeah, and this is what's wrong with the NBA nowadays. Is you know this is one of the issues is tanking. You know, look, 
I know they have a zero zero you know zero point zero zero one percent chance to get Victor Wimbyama, but it, they still get one ball now in the lottery instead of zero. That's that's exactly. what it is. It, it's just look. A lot of these teams treat this thing like a two eighty two game preseason. That's all it is. You know, I hate to say it, but it really is. I yeah, I think it's. I think it's ridiculous. I know they didn't control their own destiny and all that, but yeah, you still got to play it out. You know, again, all those fans going to the game to go see Luca. You know, you kind of what you played thirteen minutes that evening. It's not you know came out right at the start of the second quarter. Yeah, like it's just it's just this great for all those fans that kind of pay good money to go watch watch your team play. Yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous, and yeah, the NBA should really uh, investigate it. And again, it's a problem league wide with the tanking and all this. But yeah, you know this this one, um, they should definitely you know. Investigated, yeah. I think it was uh disappointing with the with the Mavericks that there on Friday night. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the league should definitely take they the Shea should definitely take that pick away. There's there's no way the league should not there's no way the league should not take their pick away. That was an absolute disgrace what the Mavericks did on Friday night. But OBJ has finally found a team. But before we talk about that, we're gonna hear from our friends at JPEG Financial and Shamrock Home Inspections. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860-430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. There's no bigger investment. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person doing all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All righty, so OBJ has finally found a team on Sunday. He signed with the Ravens one year, $18 million. And the big thing is, is OBJ is came out, he's coming off a bunch of injuries. We know he's not going to be the same guy. But the big question is with this move, how does this affect Lamar Jackson? Who said, you know, earlier this month that he wanted out. He said, he said a couple weeks ago he wanted out. Now, 
I'm starting to think he might be back in Baltimore. I'm really starting to think he might be a Raven again. I think he might. He, he this this might get him to at least sign the franchise tag, and then ultimately seeing the lack of interest from, from other teams, maybe come up with a deal. I think he. he I think he's going to be back in Baltimore because of this. it's crazy. This it's crazy. This is crazy to say this, and this is why. I'm, this is why OBJ is not coming to play there if he doesn't know who the quarterback is, and that's why I think that Lamar is going to be back. And I know I've said. That Lamar's gone. Lamar's done. But I think with this move, bringing OBJ in, OBJ, he's not coming if he doesn't know who the quarterback's going to be. So I actually think Lamar is going to be back in Baltimore. Now, he's a good point, you know, that you mentioned that, yeah, you know, him coming back or having, you know, OBJ now kind of, you know, wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't want to come to the team. He didn't know who's going to be the quarterback. I do think it helps a little bit, but like, I, you know, you mentioned too, which is a good point about the lack of interest where, yeah, he may kind of get forced to sign. I still think this helps a little bit. And I think it's starting to help maybe build, you know, rebuild the relationship with him in the front office here a little bit, but I'm still not fully there yet that like, he's completely back in going to resign with the Ravens yet. I'm starting to get there a little bit more, but like if, you know, in the next couple of weeks, if there's still not a ton of interest on, on Lamar Jackson with other teams, then yeah, I think may, he's gonna probably have to be forced to sign the franchise tag, or and you know if he really does, you know, and maybe now that he adds, they add a guy like OBJ for him, maybe he does kind of, you know, figure out a way to, and, and they kind of do figure out a way to to come and come to terms with a deal. Um, but I'm still not fully there yet. But look, you know, they they did pay a lot of money for OBJ for a guy we haven't seen in a year and a half, and who's only played in 53 out of 98 rookie season games, like he's hasn't been fully healthy his whole career and the big risk, but yeah, you know, maybe it does kind of show that maybe, you know, Lamar does, you know, maybe Lamar's future in Baltimore is a little bit brighter than it was a few days ago. I definitely think it is brighter because he's not, not there because OBJ is not coming there. If he doesn't know, know that he's probably, and you've seen the FaceTimes with Lamar. We've seen them go out to dinner. They've definitely been in communication, but I do think this was a desperation move by the Ravens because 18 million, is a lot of money for a player like Beckham because the Jets were not giving him 18 million. He was not, he was about to visit the Jets on Monday. He was not getting 18 million from the Jets. So I do think this is a little bit of a desperation move, but seeing the lack of interest, I think that it started to trend in the direction, even before the OBJ stuff, that Lamar might be back to being the Ravens, seeing the lack of interest around the league uh, for Lamar. So, so, so yeah, it is a little bit of a desperation move, but seeing, but OBJ is not coming. And I'm, I am, I am, I am, I'm sure I'm, I'm certain about this. OBJ is not coming somewhere if he doesn't know who the quarterback's going to be. So I think it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And that's a good point. I, I think if you gave him $18 million, I don't think he'd mind. Cause I don't think he's getting that anywhere else. And I'm not saying he's just a guy just looking for the bag. Like I, I think if that was the best offer he was going to get. And I think, you know, yeah, I think maybe it's a little bit brighter and maybe, you know, Lamar, is, you know, maybe, you know, Lamar is kind of telling him I'll, be back but you know is that one piece really really kind of ha- let you know making Lamar really change his decision now yes it does help well it helps in the Ravens case that there's not a ton of interest for him and in that you know he really doesn't have any other option at this point than play with Baltimore so that does definitely does help but yeah I, I it definitely does help bring in OBJ I'm just I'm still not fully convinced that he's 100% back in the fold, that he's going to be a Baltimore Ravens still next year. 
Yeah, I, I think the reason why I think he's going to be is OBJ right now in his career, he's not the immature player he was back in his days with the Giants or his days with the Browns. He matured when he went to the Rams. He took he took a lesser role, won a Super Bowl. I think all Beckham wants to do now is win. I think that's all he wants to do is win. And he's not going to want to play with Tyler Huntley. He wants to play with a top quarterback and Lamar Jackson. And that's why I think... And I know I flip-flopped on this. I thought when Lamar requested, I thought when he signed the franchise tag, he was done. I Because I thought there was going to be interest. I thought when he wanted out, I thought he was done. But I, I but, but from what I've known about OBJ over the last couple of years, I just don't think he's going somewhere if he doesn't know who the quarterback's going to be. That's why I think Lamar's back to be, I think Lamar's back being a Raven. And I can totally see that. Yeah, you know, I, OBJ's done a really good job of kind of turning things around. Um you know, again, Todd Munkin now do we worked with at Cleveland. You know, that was his OC his first year in Cleveland. Now he kind of comes back and works with the Baltimore. So they do have that familiarity with each other, which I think helps as well. But yeah, you know, I know Tyler Huntley would be probably the other option if Lamar does kind of move on here and does not come back to Baltimore for whatever reason. You know, yeah, I, I could totally see that OBJ kind of, you know, understanding that, you know, if, there's an uncertainty of Lamar's not going to be the quarterback week one that, yeah, maybe he doesn't sign here, but I think, you know, Todd Monk having that familiar with Todd Munkin helps a little bit. Maybe his decision-making process. I think too, I just think going back to the last one, I just, I think if anybody threw OBJ $18 million at this point, I think he'd sign it. You know, I, I, I get, he wants a win. Maybe the Ravens kind of, are a franchise that usually kind of hang around and always are tough, but look, you lose OBJ. Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, you lose Lamar. It's going to be tough to, um, to make the playoffs in that AFC, but yeah, you know, he's definitely give, you know, Odell credit because he has really turned it around from his days with the giants where, yeah, he was, you know, a diva. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be interesting to see who's right or wrong here because me and you both were on the side when Lamar signed the tag that he was done. When, the, when he requested the trade, he was done. Now, this has kind of brought me over to the other side. You're still on the side that he's probably going to play for another team. But So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I'm, I'm very interested to see what ends up happening with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, me too. I bet we, you know, we, we got to find out pretty soon if they're, you know, you got to think maybe after the draft, somebody doesn't get the quarterback they like. Maybe after the draft, something kind of, you know, a, a team's interested. But yeah, till then, um, yeah, I'll be interested to kind of what happens because it's been a fascinating thing this all, all off season and yeah, you know, I would assume we're going to get an answer one way or another in the next couple of weeks. We absolutely have to. We got to. We got to. But we got to talk about another player, and uh, that is Devin White, and he wants out of Tampa right now. Devin White, he wants he wants a trade. And the big thing is, is which team would be the best fit? And I, I'm thinking of one that would be a really good fit, and that'd be the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I really like him on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Put him in that defense with T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick to put him on that defense. I think that would be a top five defense in the league. If they if 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 White went to the Steelers, I went to the other team in the city of Pennsylvania. I went to the Eagles. I think. Oh, you, know, you had to go there. Yeah, I I know it hurts the giant your Giants, but they lost two starting linebackers from a Super Bowl. Good team. point. Good point. Kaiser you know, White and uh and T.J. Edwards, which was a big loss. Yeah, and do you, you know, last year uh, Howie Roseman again he went out traded for A.J. Brown, who was a guy in the mid twenties. You know, took a shot on him. Devin White, mid twenties, looking for a deal. You know, if the Eagles want to get back to the Super Bowl, try to go over the top next year. I, I think Devin White would fit that bill really well. I know they, you know, um, have Nicobe Dean, but, you know, are they really ready for him to start right now? You know, maybe they want him to develop another year. I, I think Devin White to the Eagles could could make some sense. 
Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I think it makes a ton of sense, especially seeing their whole linebacker. And it would get that defense back to being a top defense. Seeing the starters they lost on defense, Jerron Hargrave, obviously TJ Edwards, Kaiser White, uh, Marcus Epps, CJ Gardner-Johnson. That'd be a really, really nice move for that team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that the Eagles, yeah, they, you know, want to get back to Super Bowl. They, yeah, they lost some big pieces, you know, to that team that, you know, got there last year and want to rebuild that defense. Devin White's got some experience of, you know, being the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers and winning one. So, yeah, I think he could fit really well with, with the Eagles. And, yeah, it would be a nice kind of um, piece there for the Eagles offseason, you know, and, and to add, add some of that defense. That, yeah, as you mentioned, they, they lost a lot of pieces since that, you know, in, in the last couple of weeks here from free agency. Oh, absolutely. 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 Yeah, I would not want to see Devin White wearing <laughs> green. That, that, that is for sure. But we're going to move on to baseball, and we're going to talk about the Yankees right now, 7-4. and four. Uh, tied for second in the AL East. And the positives right now, Garrett Cole's been outstanding. Nestor Cortez has been good. And how about Franchi Cordero <laughs> hitting the home run Friday, hitting the home run on Sunday, and then hitting the home run yesterday to put them up 6-2. to two. And I'm telling you something about Franchi Cordero. Every home run he's hit has been a big home run. And I'm telling you, when you put this lineup together, I think the best lineup for the Yankees right now, obviously you you, you have Tor- – I think you got Torres starting at, sec- starting at a second and leading off. I think you uh, you you got ju- you put Judge Stanton Rizzo in the middle. Uh, I think you obviously uh, you, you, I think you still keep DJ in the lineup. I think you still think you keep Trevino in the lineup. I might you know may play as I might play Cabrera at short, and then you gotta have Franchi playing playing left field. You gotta have Franchi. You gotta have Franchi in left. I really like Franchi Cordero playing left field. I think he should play more. He's got to start playing every day because he leads the team in RBIs right now. I, I'd like to see Cordero playing every day. Yeah, you know, I, I really, I really like Cordero. You know, because it's like you see, you saw the tools in Boston, but the thing was like he just couldn't put it all together. And then I think too, what affected him is they had him try first base, and he's always been an outfielder, and he played short too, which is odd. I don't know why like shortstop was always like a backup position for him, but like you know, and I think trying to learn first base, doing that at the major league level is tough for him. Now he's back in the outfield. Yeah, you know, like his problem was always a the strikeout rate, you know, but like when he puts, you know, bat on the ball, you know, it goes a long way. Yeah. He's been awesome. I'm with you. I think he's got to start in left field. Cause who else do you have? I know Cabrera could play out there, but you know, Volpe's got a hit so far today. Like, you know, the hope is that he can kind of figure it out at short, but yeah, like Aaron Hicks is a lost cause at this point. You know, I know I, I would hope the Yankees have been, I know trying to trade him for the last year and a half here, but yeah, you know, Cordero has been awesome. And, you know, it took him, I think, over a month last year to hit two runs home, two home runs with Boston. So, yeah, you know, again, if you can get 10, 15 home runs to the Yankees, that's that's a win for them. So, yeah, Cordero's been awesome so far, and um, he's been fun to watch. Here's my lineup right here. I'll go Glaber leading off, playing second. Uh, I'm going to go Judge play, playing uh, playing right field, batting up, batting second, batting third. I'll go Rizzo playing first. Stanton as the DH. I got him batting fourth. And batting fifth, this might be a surprise. I'm putting Franchi in that lineup. I got Franchi in that lineup playing left field. I got I got I got him bat I got him batting fifth batting fifth. I got uh I got Cabrera. I, I, I got Franchi. I got uh oh, no, I got Judge in center. So I said it right. I got Judge in center. And then I got Cabrera in a right field. I got him. I got him hitting sixth. I got uh I got uh let me think. Uh, I got uh, Trevino. Trevino. I got I got I got him in the lineup. Uh, hitting hit seventh, I got DJ. I'm gonna move DJ down. I got DJ hitting eighth, 
And then I got Volpe playing short hit, hitting ninth. So that's my, that's my dream lineup right now. I don't want to see Aaron Hicks in the lineup ever again. I know he's playing today. I don't want to see Hicks in the lineup. I don't want to see Kiner Falefa in the lineup. I am done with either of the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm done with both. Those guys have been awful. Um, Higashi, yeah, they're buying it three today. It's Connor Falefa, Higashi Oka, and then Aaron Hicks Ugh, rounding those. Horrible, it out. horrible bottom yeah. three right there. But you know yeah. it's a getaway day having the, that bottom three. Yeah. That is a horrendous bottom three right there. Horrendous. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, you had to start Volpe at the leadoff. I know Torres is banged up. DJ's banged up. So yeah, yeah he, you know, Boone, Boone doesn't have a ton of options today um, for to figure out the line of combination. But yeah, you know, the, Interest. I I didn't mind it. The interesting one was Lemayu at eighth. I know Lemayu's kind of been down and towards been awesome. You know, I'd still I love DJ at the leadoff, but I I could see him down there to turn over the lineup. But like DJ's so good with running his on, and sometimes in the yeah, middle the, we're just so hit or miss. Yeah, but the problem is Judge has like four solo home runs this year because DJ's yeah. not getting on base. That's the problem. So I, that's why I want Glaber there. If you put Glaber up there, he'll have a runner on base. He'll start getting two run homers instead of solo shots. Yeah, which is nice. That that'd be nice. Um, yeah, I know he's been down, DJ. I guess it may if you got some guys down at the order or in the middle of that lineup that can not, you know, could get on base. Yeah, I think that could suit DJ really well. Just feels weird having, you know, putting DJ down there at eighth, but yeah, I can see the way Tour has been hitting so far, and it's a walk year for him too. Like this is a big kind of free. I or no, he's got one more year left actually. Um, but look, you know, it's finally nice to see Torres really, you know, seems confident again, which we really haven't seen in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, you know, we can the Yankees can finally figure out that bottom of the order. You know, they they they'll be in good shape. But yeah, it's kind of figuring out that bottom, and you know, who who could produce at the bottom of that order. Exactly. But I think the bottom, the bottom should be DJ Trevino Volpe case closed case closed. Stop putting Kiner Falef in there. I'm done with him and stop putting Hicks in there. And maybe a gosh, Yoke on a, you know, a day, maybe a day game or a, a select games, but I'm not, I'm done with a gosh. I don't want a gosh, Yoke playing all the time too. Trevino. It's it, Trevino, uh, DJ and Volpe. And I know Volpe struggled, but Trevino, DJ and Volpe. Th- th- that's it for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, Volpe did get a hit today leading off. So, you know, one hit, one hit. I, like, let's, let's relax yeah. there. But again, I think his at bats been good, though. I said this, I think he's had good at bats. Like, I think that's like he's just he's gonna break through, I think, soon. Like, I know he's got 12 strikeouts and 31 appearances, but like, I don't think he's doesn't look like a lost card. Like, he doesn't look like he's just getting absolutely fooled out there. Um, so like, I, I think he'll get it going at some point, you know, let, let's hope. And yeah, with Higashioka. I know they have been worth bet. I know he's been injured literally the last year, but like I know one of the top prizes, like Austin Wells at the catcher spot. I don't know how close he is, but maybe he's an option down the line to be the backup catcher at, at some point, maybe late in the year. But yeah, you know, okay, actually, hasn't been great either. And yeah, Aaron Hicks, I'm I'm kind of done with. I don't like his at it. I feel like if this was still George, Aaron Hicks would have been gone like three years ago. Like I, yeah, I don't think this is George would have absurd, put up with yeah. any of this. Not at all. So, not at all. Yeah, so you know, I, I don't expect Hicks to be on the team all year. Like I think at some point he it's just, just the relationships, you know, they're gonna trade him at hopefully at some point. But yeah, I you know, they can figure it out. Yeah, you know, I, I think Volpe can get it going. Yeah, the top of the order's been pretty good. You know, Stan looks real locked in and you know, we'll we'll see. They, he's actually um you know, I, I still don't like how he puts Judge second and then kind of goes Rizzo third, fourth. San, I just, I, I 
always like to judge stand back to back. You want judge and stand back to back, but I think he does yeah, that the, for, for. I think it's a righty lefty thing. That's why he does. Which it. is so dumb. I, I yeah, can't. He's going off like the it. analytics. There, he's going off the I, analytics. I know. I can't stand it, but you know, I guess all those scientists are smarter than me. I guess upstairs they know something I don't, but you know, it is what it is. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So we'll go to some of the negatives. And I think we talked about, you know, Volpe and uh, Hicks and Kiner Falefa. But I think one of the biggest negatives that needs to be talked about is Clark Schmidt. And I want this to be his last start as a Yankee. He's got to get out of this rotation. He's been absolutely pathetic for this team. He's The two games he started, they're, they're, they've lost. They're, they're losing right now, too. They're down 2 nothing, And, he's and of course, he gave up four hits in the first inning. He's got, I want him out of the rotation. I, I'll take Brito any day of the week over him in the rotation. Yeah, which is crazy because he looked good last year. And then even like spring training, like, he may figure some stuff out. And yeah, he has not been good so far. But it's been him and Herman. Yeah, what have you done for me lately? Him and Herman, get them out. Know. Get those guys out of the rotation when Severino and uh, Rondon come back. Get those guys out of the rotation. Have Brito be the number five. I don't want Herman. Move Herman to the bullpen. And get and get Clark back to the minor leagues. Okay, I'm done with Clark Schmidt. I don't want him pitching anymore for this team. This is the last start. Today should be the last start for Clark Schmidt pitching for this team. I want put Brito in that role. Maybe just start uh, Herman until 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 Rondon comes back. Hopefully, Sevy comes back soon. But get Clark Schmidt. This should be his last start as a Yankee. Yeah, the starting. Yeah, I think continue to be tough start. He was good out of the bullpen last year. Would you be okay with him in the bullpen? Maybe, maybe I'll see. I'll He's see. good in the bullpen. I'll see. Yeah, I'm I'll good. See. I'm done with Herman. I I done with Herman. I what? He's got to have another year or two left, I think, of control, and then he's gone. I would hope, but yeah, I'm with you, Johnny Brito. That guy, you know, he's he's been all. You know, his one star was awesome. Even the pre, pre uh, spring training star was great in his last one. So, yeah, I, I would love to see Johnny Brito get another shot up here, and then yeah, you know, it'd be well. I know Rendon set had another setback yesterday. Or, two days ago. So he's probably out now for another couple weeks. So yeah, you're, they're going to have to kind of keep tampering with him, kind of find somebody to, um, you know, unless they keep going with like this four man rotation for now, but you know, that I I'd be fine with it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's been Herman and, and uh, Clark Schmidt who've been the big problem. But yeah, I don't mind either of those two moving the bullpen or just being done with, uh, with the, um, you know, being out of the rotation. Cause yeah, they got one hit so far against a, uh, guy making his debut today too but that you that's very yankee like like it seems like a guy taking his debut yeah, but, but here's never the problem him. look 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 at the three guys they have at the end of the lineup hicks yeah, no. and kind of hicks hicks counter falefa and hagashioka that's why they got to it that, that 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 should explain everything about that but we'll move on to the red sox red sox right now five and six did sweep the tigers which they needed to do but they've lost their first two games against the red hot tampa bay rays and i think the positives for the red sox right now uh, Devers has been Devers had that big grand slam on Saturday. That's a positive. I think Pavetta has been really good. Verdugo and Duvall has been good. But the big question is how much this Red Sox lineup going to miss Duvall now? Now that he's going to be out for a while because you look at the last two games for the Red Sox. They've only they've scored a combined one run in their last two games. Yeah, it's been ugly last two games. Their right hander, right handed hitters this year besides Adam Duvall. This was going to last night, so. It was 196. Now, I don't think that got much better last night with the because they did not do much again last night, obviously. So that's been the right-handed hitters without Adam Duvall, 196. So, yeah, it's, you know, Devers has been good, um, you know. But, like, yeah, Trisha Cass has got two home runs, but he's batting 160 right now. Um, 
you know, Arroyo's really strong. KK Hernandez is still at the top of that lineup, and he's batting under 100 right now. I don't know if Alex Corey's going to keep putting him out there as a leadoff guy. It'd be very interesting. And Yoshida's a guy that does not have much pop. He just hits a lot of ground balls. So, yeah, for the Red Sox, the lineup, they need some other guys to step up without Adam Duvall. It's going to be a big loss for how for how much, you know, for the time he's going to miss. And yeah, you know, Garrett, I mean, Nick Pavetta's pitched really well. Um, you know, but like they need, they need sale to figure it out tonight against the, against the race. And, you know, you know, Whitlock was okay last night, you know, gave up a couple home runs, but you know, in his first start back, but like, he's a guy that's more of a long man. And I think, and I think he's going to be the eventual closer at some point, but look, you know, the Red Sox right now, yeah, it was big to beat the Tigers, but, you know, the Rays have been on fire. It's been impressive what they're doing so far. But, yeah, you know, it hasn't been too many positives so far for the Red Sox. You know, outside of that Tiger series, it really, you know, you got swept by the Pirates at home, which just cannot happen. I know the Pirates have played well at the gates, but it can't happen. The Yankees are down 3 nothing now. I think Rosario just hit a home run. Yeah, Keller Schmidt is terrible. Get yeah. him out of the rotation, please, please. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I've seen that, that, that experience. Yeah, it's about done with yeah yeah absolutely Shouldn't. absolutely absolutely and and yeah and and you talked about you you talked about the negatives with yoshida and turner you talked about that and then the rotation sales got to get it done if sale doesn't pick it up sale and kluber don't pick it up the red sox are in for a very long year especially with duval out yeah they are because yeah you know they dug themselves in a hole last year you're i know it's game 11 you know, they've only put 11 games but you're already six back of the division of the Rays. like you're already digging yourself in a in a big hole right now and yeah, it, it, it's going to get problematic. And, you know, I just think, I think high and blue just bloom. I think the, I, I think the problem is he, he's, you know, he's trying to find too many dimes in the rough. And again, I, I it, you can find one or two of them, but it's just tough to create a team of finding a, you know, five to 10 guys, diamonds in the rough that you think are going to have a great year. It usually doesn't happen. I think that's kind of the problem with this team is he's just trying to bank on a bunch of guys that maybe have career years and that, they could just try to – you look at the numbers, you look at the, all the analytical stats, you say, oh, this guy could be a pretty good piece, and it just doesn't – I don't think that works. And it just – I don't – and it really hasn't for the team so far, and I don't think it's going to because, yeah, Sale has struggled. Corey Kluber struggled. Paxson, I think, is supposed to be making a rehab start soon. But, again, he's injured. Like, how many starts can you really get out of him? So, yeah, I think this rotation is, um, you know, isn't tr- – I know – one of the top guys, Brian Mata, one of the top starters. He lost a year last year in Tommy John, but I think it's, he's somebody that they're very high on, you know. But look, um, you gotta they they gotta find some starters. And again, tonight you're going up against a rookie or a guy making his debut. So you would hope tonight they figure out a way to to end the Rays' uh, hot streak right now. Yeah, and speaking of the Rays, eleven and zero right now. I'll start, they start. They started eleven and zero. I mean, this is the best start from any team since nineteen eighty seven. Uh, I know, I know the teams they haven't played have not been good. That's why I think this is. It has been impressive, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going on. A, I'm not saying they're the. I'm not saying that they should be the favorite to win the World Series. I know they're eleven and zero, but I'm not saying they should be the favorite to win the World Series because look at the teams they played: the Nationals, the A's, the Tigers, and the Red Sox. They played four bad teams. And listen, very impressive to win all the games. I mean, they've been, I mean, Franco's been great. Rhodes Arena's been great. Lowe's Lowe hit that big home run on Monday night. So all those guys have been really good. Paredes hit a grand slam a couple days ago. And the pitching with Springs, with Rasmussen, with McLennan, they've all been really good. But 
Let's slow down with they're the favorite to win the World Series because they've played four really bad teams, but they are off to a great start, and it is very impressive. Oh, yeah, it's impressive. They have 29 home runs, and they've only given up 20 runs. Like, that's that's, that's the insane that's part. Crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. And like, and that's why I don't think they're the World Series favorite either, because that's what their lineup is. Like they, I know this year they haven't struck out a lot, but yeah, the Tigers' pitching staff, the Nationals' pitching staff, and the A's' pitching staff, and even some of the Red Sox' pitching staff are not great major league pitchers. Like, give them credit, because yeah, they've won all these games, and it's impressive to go on streaks like this in major league baseball. But yeah, I'm still not there yet. Like, I, I need to see them play a competent team. Like this weekend against the Blue Jays, we'll find out a lot. You know, we'll we'll find out more about this race team, but yeah, look, give them credit because they are off to impressive impressive start right now. Their lineups played their lineups really, you know, um, hitting the ball well, but like they're just relying on a ton of home runs. And I think at some point, when you play some actual competent pitchers who can actually, you know, who are actually pretty good, it, it may be a little bit more challenging for this race team to put, you know, put some. Um, to score more runs. So for right now, yeah, it's impressive. But yeah, I'm not putting them yet as the World Series favorite. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. They absolutely should not be the World Series favorite, even though they started 11-0. But we go from one great team to another great team. We'll wrap up talking about the Bruins breaking the single season's win record with 63 on Sunday. Is it a failure if they can't win the Stanley Cup? In my opinion, I think they got to get to at least the conference finals. But Justin, is it a failure if they don't win the Stanley Cup? I don't know if it's a failure. I think, you know, if the... You know, you don't get to the finals. You know, I think it is a little bit disappointing because going in this year, they fired Bruce Cassidy. Everybody in Boston wanted Don Sweeney to get fired. Yeah, I don't think they thought this team was going to be good. No, no. Like, this was like, I think a lot people were kind of just hoping, yeah, maybe get like that third spot in the Atlantic or get a wild card spot. So that's why I don't think it's a total failure because like nobody expected this out of them. But I think if they at least get to the Stanley Cup, yeah, maybe even the Easter, Easter Conference Finals. I think, you know, it would sting that have the best record, you know, and Angel history and not make it. But yeah, the, the season they've had, it's been really impressive. And um, for that core that they got, it's kind of one less. I think maybe for that core of like Marshan, Bergeron, um, you know, for those guys who have been there forever, maybe it's a little bit disappointing that they don't get that second ring because, you know, they, they've had their chances. So maybe for that kind of core, Bruins fans are a little bit disappointed that they don't get that ring. But I think with with the Eastern Conference, with how the last time the Presidents Cup winner um, won the Stanley Cup was a decade ago with the Blackhawks. Like it, it that's why like I love the NHL playoffs because it's so unpredictable. So I don't think it's a total failure, but I think it is a little disappointing you don't get it done. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it would be absolutely, absolutely. So, so we'll see what happens with the Bruins, and we definitely will be starting to talk a little bit about the Bruins in the playoffs come next week. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with RJ for 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 Justin Afrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking the NBA and the NHL playoffs, uh, Yankees and Red Sox, and any NFL news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones had first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Vince, two for three, he's done his part. 
pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.